0: Thanks, Eric, and thank you, worship team, and welcome, everyone, today to Bethany Community Church here at Green Lake. It's a privilege to worship with you, and we are completing today a series entitled Gather, Grow, Go, whereby every year uh, we consider our collective calling as a church to be the presence of Christ in our city, in our region, in our world, and today we're looking at the theme of grow from this passage in John 15, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, It's a privilege to share it with you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we can gather today to listen for your voice. We're mindful today of issue after issue in our world. And it would be easy to feel powerless and devastated and angry and hopeless. And yet somehow you've called us to use your words, to bear much fruit. So I pray that you would, point us in that direction this morning, and that we would, as people rooted and grounded in the life that is Christ, become an in increasing measure of people of hope in our world. Well, thank you for that. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I visited the dentist because I had a cavity, and I don't know how your dentist functions, but my dentist functions this way. The, the dentist and his assistant converse as if I'm not even there while they're doing things in my mouth. And so there's a drill going and feels like there's a chisel going as well. And they're talking about all kinds of things. And one of the things that came up in their conversation while I was in the chair was the reality that dental visits are on the rise during this period of COVID. And it's not just because they were shut for a little while and they opened up. In fact, in particular, what is happening is there's an increase in cases showing up in dental offices because of the grinding of teeth. People are grinding their teeth more now than they were a year ago, and that leads to cracked teeth. And I learned in seminary, my counseling class, that teeth grinding is actually a sign of depression, anger, and anxiety. I didn't know that, but I learned that. And one of the causes of that kind of teeth grinding, one of the causes of anxiety, depression, and anger, not the only cause, but one cause is this, anger turned inward, causes depression, at times causes anxiety. And it's often anger over situations over which you have no control. And I would suggest that we have just a little bit of that going on right now in our culture. COVID, the politicization of masks, lying media, lying leaders, a grand jury, ruling uh, regarding the Breonna Taylor case that leaves us reeling, many of us anyway, even more deeply divided, and it feels hopeless because the ongoing issues of uh, pandemic and economy and politics and race kind of feel like the four horsemen of the apocalypse to me. And we feel like our lives are out of control. There's nothing we can do about everything that seems to be imploding around us. And so when it feels hopeless, we grind our teeth. And why do we grind our teeth? It seems like the only other option It's to jump in and do something, like take a gun, drive across the state line, shoot some protesters, loot a Starbucks, march, write your councilman, write your senator, write your president, boycott Disney, boycott the chicks, formerly known as Dixie Chicks. Don't just stand there, do something. And hear me, as Christ followers, there are times to do things. There are things to do in response to injustice and lies and violence and systemic racism and political insanity. There are things to do. Maybe those things include marching or writing or painting a protest sign. Maybe it includes serving breakfast on Aurora to homeless people. Maybe it includes serving a community meal. Maybe it's writing a check. There are things to do, and there's this saying then, and it's tempting to embrace it, don't just stand there, do something. Don't just grind your teeth, do something. But here's the problem. All through the Bible, it's clear that doing is always the second thing, not the first thing. Because if it's the first thing, it's our thing. And if it's our thing, what I mean by that is it's our agenda, our effort, our timetable, our goals, our anger, our means... And what will ultimately find expression if we don't just stand there, quote, instead do something, it will be not the life that God intends for us, but it will be the expression of our life cut off from God. And the text today says, no, don't go that direction. The text today makes it clear, your doing will only be meaningful if it comes out from Christ. So we Heard read this scripture about the vine and the branch. And the vine and the branch is simply this profound illustration of the most important truth in the Bible fruit is a byproduct of abiding. And uh, it's actually what leads to a sphere of influence that is meaningful, infused with life and peace and purpose and wisdom and longevity. And we can and should expect fruit if we abide. And fruit alone isn't the only promise here offered. The promise is this. Abide in me and you will bear much fruit. So here's the deal. If you really want to make a difference in this world, I'm saying this to you now, slow down and do the first thing first. And the first thing is abide. Because Jesus says, you can't bear fruit unless you remain in me. A very clear warning against us going off on our own and saying, man, I can't just stand here. I've got to jump in. I've got to do something. Before you do, be. That's what we're talking about this morning. And I think the absence of personal fruit of the Spirit in our lives, like our anger, our frustration, our fear, our gossip, our grinding of teeth, all of that might be the canary in the coal mine that is saying to us, it's not that I don't have something for you to do, it's that you haven't done the first thing first. You need to abide. And so my thesis this morning is this. Your fruit is the byproduct of abiding. You don't make fruit. Fruit happens. And yet, ironically, you can expect fruit and should expect fruit in your life if you're obsessed, in a sense, with abiding in Christ. And we'll talk about what that means in a few minutes here. So here's the deal. I need to embrace three realities if I'm to live the life for which I'm created. There's a goal. This is the first reality. Embrace the goal. And the goal is fruit. There's a means. Embrace the means. The means is abiding. And there's a warning. Embrace the warning. If you don't abide, you don't bear fruit. If you don't bear fruit, you're cut off. Those three realities. Let's begin with this one. There's a goal. Embrace it. And here's the goal. The goal is fruit. So when Jesus says abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. I want to note here today that Jesus is talking about two kinds of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of influence. And so let me address both of those real briefly here. First of all, there is this this fruit of the Spirit that is promised to us. In Galatians chapter five, the Apostle Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering. Many of you know that passage of Scripture. If you don't, it's just like kind of this laundry list of very positive qualities. And Paul is saying, to the extent that Christ lives in you and has freedom to reign through you, the way you present in the world will be better. And I mean, what I mean by that is like patience, eye contact, a smile, the capacity to absorb, you know, anger and gossip without uh, reacting in a way that uh, makes you part of the problem rather than part of the solution. You will begin to uh, diffuse and present nothing less than the character of Jesus in your, own, in your own way. Honesty, confession, confrontation, peace, patience. Doesn't mean an absence of conflict. Doesn't mean an absence of lament. Rather, it means the capacity to authentically present the character of Jesus in every situation. I think of Jesus remaining silent uh, during his death on the cross rather than hurling insults or responding in rage. And one of the reasons I think of Jesus' silence and even his prayer, forgive those who are killing me. They don't know what they're doing. Like this immense amount of patience is, is the fruit of the Spirit. And one of the reasons I think of that is because I remember an experience I had many years ago where I went to a pastor's conference Down in Tacoma, so I drove south from Seattle to Tacoma to the Tacoma Dome, and I was there all day. It started at like nine in the morning, it ended at like four in the afternoon. And if you've been in traffic in Tacoma at four in the afternoon, you know that it's really unpleasant on a workday to be in Tacoma at four in the afternoon. So here I am. We've been in this conference all day. All of us are pastors, and we've learned about leadership and management and vision casting and, and even been called to like a profound devotional life and obedience to Jesus. Now, we're in the parking lot after the conference, and we're all trying to get out of the parking lot, out of the road, out of the freeway, get home. And it was in the parking lot, after seven hours of a pastor's conference, that a pastor gave me a certain finger to let me know that he wasn't happy with my driving. And I was mad at him because I was like this, buddy, Fruit of the Spirit, be gentle, forgetting that I had cut him off. Fruit of the Spirit. Do you understand what I'm saying? Jesus didn't say this, abide in me and you will bear much knowledge. He didn't say that. Abide in me and you have scores of notes that you take in sermons. Abide in me and you'll defend your doctrinal statement. Abide in me and you'll memorize the Apostles' Creed. Abide in me and you'll memorize Isaiah. No, abide in me and you will what? Bear much fruit here's abiding, you look like Jesus. Not that you go to conferences and take notes and talk the talk. You are nothing less than the presence of Christ that's fruit. And so when we abide in Christ, it becomes evident in our persona that we share Jesus' DNA. Because we don't gossip, we speak the truth, and only the appropriate truth. Uh, We make eye contact. We're gentle, we're peaceful, we're honest, we're humble, we're confessing, and you can't fake that. That's the byproduct of abiding, abiding, bear much fruit. So the first kind of fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, and the second kind of fruit is the fruit of influence. There are people in each of our lives who have shaped us for the better, like we've been influenced by other people. They've done it through encouragement, affirmation, maybe they taught us a skill, Maybe one of the big positive influences in your life was a parent, a parent who taught you how to persevere, taught you how to suffer, taught you how to find reward in work itself rather than the work that uh, made you wealthy and famous. People have shaped us and our being shaped by the other is an example of the other bearing fruit. Does that make sense? So somebody's born fruit because they were influential in my life. And many people who have shaped us don't even know they've shaped us. In other words, they've borne fruit, but they will never see the fruit that they've borne. A friend of mine turned 75 this uh, past month, and uh, I wrote him a letter. Uh, He's 10 years older than me, and I wrote him this letter, and I said, I want you to know how you've mentored me without knowing it. Because we didn't have a formal mentoring relationship whereby... We would meet weekly and go over notes or do a devotional together or anything like that. He just rubbed off on me. And so I said to him, "Uh, here are the things that I've learned from you. Thank you. Can I just say to you, uh, if your transformation is because of the life of another, just take some time once in a while to encourage people and let them know the influence that they've had in your life. I know that there was a speaker Totally changed the course of my life in 1976 when I was at a winter camp. I know his name. I know the topic on which he spoke. I know everything about him. He shaped me. I am bearing fruit today because of the fruit of his influence in my life. And yet, I don't know who kept that chapel warm with a fire. I don't know who cooked that meal. I don't know who put together the promotional material. I don't know who uh, checked me in and registered me. And, and, And so there are people behind the scenes who have... Quiet gifts, they too are bearing fruit, and every one of us has fruit that we can bear. So, the fruit of the Spirit is the first kind of fruit. The fruit of influence is the second kind of gift. And you won't always see the fruit of influence, but you can live with this quiet confidence that if I am in Christ, God is using me to influence others. The scope of that fruit, the timing of that fruit, the nature of that fruit, the breadth of that fruit, that's God's prerogative my responsibility, the one thing I can do is I abide and then I can live with confidence that fruit will come. So let me make a couple of observations here before we go on. We're designed to be a blessing to others. You're designed to bear fruit. As we've already heard this this morning, uh, last weekend, my wife and I were privileged to host these high school students in what's called an ancient paths ministry here at Bethany Community Church. And for the high school students, that included a day of you know fasting and solitude and prayer up in the mountains. And in the mountains, there was some substantial discussion about how the default position of our culture is our culture turns us into consumers—people who are just consuming media all the time: social media, movies, clothes, uh, music—and it's it's so, in my opinion, bad that I know when I come to a staff meeting sometimes at Bethany Community Church. People who are 30 years younger, me uh, younger than me, are talking about movies and music, and, and I, I have no idea what they're talking about. And I'm like this: <clears throat> I'm ready to die. I'm a fossil. I'm irrelevant because I'm not consuming enough media. That's nonsense, right? And yet our culture tells us that, the reality is this: God is saying, "Look, I didn't put you on the earth to consume media. I put you on the earth to be a blessing. So you find your gift. You use your gifts, you live into your calling, and I will use you to be a blessing even if you don't know the newest song. That I find liberating. And the second thing that I want to observe here about fruit is don't confuse fruit uh, necessarily with being quote-unquote productive. Yeah, we have things to do. Yeah, there are many times throughout every day when we need to overcome resistance to doing what needs to be done... But it's also important to understand that in the rhythm of life, there's a a, a time for everything, Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time to sow seed and a time to reap. And this means there are times in our lives when we'll be sidelined. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes when we talk about pruning. But for now, recognize that your life will not always look quote unquote fruitful even when you're bearing fruit. I met a gal several years ago when I was speaking at a conference, and she wrote a book entitled uh, The Lucky Few, right? And uh, it's about her family adopting three children, two of whom, uh, it turns out, had, had Down syndrome. And she writes about the, the, the challenge of raising a family with special needs. But I love the title, The Lucky Few, because she says, more than a challenge, it's overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly a blessing. Difficult, yes. Challenging, yes. Exhausting, yes. My calling, yes. And because it's my calling, a blessing, this is my fruit. It's not romantic, but it's beautiful. So whatever it is that God is calling you to do, live into that calling. You bear fruit. This becomes very, very important. We need to get over our obsession, in other words, with us defining the fruit that we want to have and instead abide and allow God to give us the fruit that God wants to give us. Uh, A friend of mine passed away recently of cancer in her early 30s. She worked ski patrol. She was a mountain guide. She got cancer. She died. And I would suggest that her life bore fruit simply through her Facebook page, as she shared with many of us her journey Of battling cancer and ultimately uh, going to be with Christ in eternity. Uh, Here's her intro on her Facebook page. Love big. Love well. Don't waste a day. Be kind. Go on adventures. If cauliflower can become pizza, you can do anything. That's what she writes. Ah, That's beautiful. She's gone with Christ, but lived As a person of joy in the midst of the battle, that's fruit, man. My life is richer because of her. And she won't know it now because she's gone. So let's get over our obsession with comfort. Let's get over our obsession with predefining the fruit that we want to see in our lives. The fruit is God's prerogative. The one thing we can do is abide. I mean, I'm a hobbit, but I'm committed to using my gifts And that means showing up and teaching and traveling. And for me, the richest examples of people faithfully fulfilling their calling have all come to me from martyrs, people who in the end had fruit that they would never have chosen, and yet God uses them in our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Sophie Scholl, Martin Luther King, Jim Elliott, Julian of Norwich, they all died because they were following their calling. And all of them have given me the courage to speak and write and serve and lead and show up. They bore fruit. Now we bear fruit so that another generation can bear fruit. So that's the first reality. You have a calling, bear fruit. Second reality there's a means. And the means is this abide, stay connected. Abiding is kind of the active verb in the text. It's not kind of. It is the single active verb. The only thing you can do is abide. You cannot create fruit. Fruit comes because you abide. And the word is used uh, in several other places in John 15 uh, to stress the value of abiding. In John 15:7, abiding in Christ is tied to Christ's words abiding in us. In other words, when we're abiding, we're in the present moment mindful that Christ lives in us, that Christ is with us, and that Christ is the animating source of our lives. It's like I'm continually drawing on the resources of Christ's life the way a a, a branch draws on the nutrients of the vine. So the production of fruit is not this gaudy display of actions over here and self-promotion. The production of fruit is just quietly drawing upon the resources of Christ's life over here and then living with this quiet confidence that if I'm drawing on these resources, then God will produce fruit in God's way, in God's time, uh, according uh, according to God's scope and sphere of influence. It's God's fruit, my responsibility is abiding. And so then it begs the question, well, how do we abide? Well, uh, when you inhale, if we use breathing as an example, the oxygen in your lungs moves into your bloodstream, feeds your nerves, feeds your muscles, so that you can live your life. The oxygen oxygen is here, it's available, but the oxygen requires what? Breathing. I have to inhale. And, and, And so meditation and scripture reading and and, and, and and gratitude, and paying attention to what God is saying to you through creation and other habits of spiritual formation are your breathing, your inhaling. Abiding then becomes this positive action that we can take, not just can take, we're called to take. And I'll tell you what, at this moment, I find that very empowering. It's tempting when the uh, horseman of the apocalypse, by which I mean uh, COVID and racism and politics and economics, it's tempting to either throw my hands in despair or to get angry and do something. I'm going to say to you, yes, there are things to do, but only after inhaling. I have to draw on the resources of Christ so that what I present to the world is nothing less than Christ. So abiding is this positive action you're called to take. And when you take this positive action, good things happen. Some public events happened this last week that were so angering to me, so devastating to me, that I couldn't even sleep. I I couldn't even enjoy a simple game of ping pong with my wife. We were heading out to the garage to play ping pong. And then we turned, uh, uh, I turned my computer on to check a, 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 a text message before I went to play ping pong and saw what had happened in the news. And when I shared it with my wife, we were just both devastated. It was, it was pretty hard. And, and so we didn't want to eat. We had a hard time sleeping. We couldn't even play ping pong. It's like this. In the age in which we live, it's like this, boom, boom, boom. You're assaulted with bad news day after day after day. And you feel powerless. It's a bit like being in a car and you hit black ice and you're on the left side of the road and you see a car coming towards you. And you're only traveling about 15 miles an hour. But you try, to, you try to get back over to the right side of the road and you can't. And you see what's coming. And there's nothing you can do about it. And then you collide. I'd like to say that's hypothetical, but it's not. So powerless you feel. When in spite of all your steering, you're stuck on the wrong side of the road. I can't tell you how many people feel that way right now. Because you want to fix things, but you can't. You can't pick a new judge. You can't stop the virus. You can't make people wear masks. You can't control the stock market. You can't put the fires out. You can't control climate change. You can't end racism. You can't fix grand juries. You can't do it. (laughs) And so it appears on the surface that there's nothing you can do. Hear me you can abide. And here's the promise. If you abide, you'll bear fruit. If we abide, we'll bear fruit. And Seattle will be different because Bethany Community Church exists. If I abide, the first evidence of fruit is a different way of being present in the world, more present. And abiding means having influence. Over time, those who abide begin to believe that what they do matters. Even if they never see the fruit, they have this quiet confidence that what they are doing is the right thing, and that's all that matters. Because they know that by doing the right thing, fruit happens. Rosa Parks didn't see her fruit. Sophie Scholl never knew that the pamphlet she wrote and distributed in Germany advocating the overthrow of the German government were copied and airdropped by the Allies over, all over Germany. She didn't know. She was dead. Dietrich Bonhoeffer didn't know when he wrote a letter from prison that it would be published, and that later on in 1986, a young pastor who was ready to quit after two years read his letters and decided he was indeed called and needed to stay in the ministry. He will never know. But the fruit happens because these people abided and then did what God asked them to do, out from the strength of the indwelling Christ. We don't see most of our fruit, and I've got good news for you, that doesn't matter. We sow with confidence because we know with confidence fruit comes as a byproduct of abiding. So you need to abide, and I do too. And if you uh, visit our Bethany Community Church YouTube page, you will see all kinds of practices articulated. We can offer you tools for meditation and Bible reading and prayer for others. And you can download our rule of life card and post it as I have posted it on our refrigerator, challenging myself to do these inhaling practices of prayer and Bible reading and silence and solitude so that I'm abiding in Christ. And right now, if you text the word life to 64600, you'll be led uh, to the rule of life card. And you can go to YouTube and get all the corresponding videos for each of those practices as well so that you and I together can develop this deep rootedness in Christ, abiding in Christ. And then Jesus says here, look, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. And if you abide in me, watch this, I will prune you. Like, Like in the vineyard, the best branches the one that bear the most fruit are pruned this means at our very healthiest there will be seasons in our life of loss and pain and challenge and difficulty all kinds of reasons for suffering could be judgment could be discipline could be the random results of living in a fallen world we don't know necessarily why we're facing particular situations at particular losses, but we do know this. Part of the growing process is pruning. In other words, uh, stuff is cut away. We need to let go of things in our lives in order that we might thrive by focusing on the things that remain. So God is showing us over and over and over again in our lives that it's God's work, not ours. I'll just uh, be a little transparent with you here and say, um, this is one of my favorite texts, and so I was like this. I've got this, this is no problem, this is easy to preach. I've preached it a dozen times, even even though uh, all my notes are locked in the office and I haven't visited the office this week, uh, I knew this would be fine. And then over the course of the last 48 hours, I contracted some kind of a weird intestinal thing. I have massive allergies and I've been sneezing all morning. Uh, I I, I got over here uh, to, to to the church building and Eric is leading worship, and I look at my notes just before I'm on, and I realize I only have three of the five pages, and I'm like, I don't have anything. This is hopeless. I can't do the work. Oh, that's right. That's what I'm preaching on this morning. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Oh, you can show up. You can preach, but there won't be fruit. Not God's fruit. You can... You can play music. You can play well, (laughs) with or without Christ. Eric can sing well, with or without Christ. I can speak, with or without Christ. That's not the point. The point is our calling is to display the presence of Jesus. That happens as a byproduct of abiding. And that's where fruit comes from. And finally, there's a warning. Loss. Every branch in me, in me, that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Theologians argue about this stuff. Can you lose your salvation? Don't, forget about that just for a second, right? It's a bigger question on the table. And here's the question if I, were, if I were just sitting down with any one of you today with coffee, I would say this Don't you want to live the life God has for you? Don't you want to? You want to, you want to miss. The fruit that God wants to display through you? Is that, really? Because what taken away means here uh, is best illustrated in the Bible in Numbers 13 and 14. When Israel, the nation, was being liberated from slavery in the book of Exodus, God made it very clear. I'm taking you out of slavery to bring you into a new land so that in this new land, you might shine as light in the midst of a world gone mad. You might bring hope to immigrants. You might bring justice to the downtrodden. You might bring peace to the war weary. You might bring integrity to a world filled with lies and deception. That was the goal, not to get out of here, but to get into there, to get into the land. And to do that, they would need to abide. In other words, on this journey from here to here, they would need to follow God, right? The cloud by day that was guiding them the fire by night that was guiding them, this would mean at times staying when they wanted to go. This would mean at times going when they wanted to stay. They'd learn to trust. They'd learn that God would provide for them. And this would lay the groundwork for them to be generous and just in a new land. And instead, in this journey, they complained and they failed to respond to God's revelation, and eventually they stopped listening to God entirely so that when God said to them, it's time to go into the land, I have a story to write through you, they were like this, no thanks. We'd actually prefer slavery in Egypt. Hey, friends, God has a story to write through you. For you to live into that story, you must abide. And that will mean, at times, Going when you want to stay. That will mean at times staying when when you want to go. That will will definitely mean at times these practices of inhaling, reading the Bible, enjoying fellowship with Jesus, cultivating intimacy, even when you want to act because you want to scream because you're so mad. (laughs) Don't do that. First abide and let the fruit come out of abiding because without abiding, The summary statement is this, loss. Think what it could have been. Remember Schindler's List, if you've seen the movie? At the very end, it's so poignant. He thinks, I could have saved this one, and this one, and this one. So many, so many more, so many more. I don't want you to miss anything God has for you. And so if you rush off to protest, if you rush off to change the world, if you rush off to preach without first abiding, what you're doing is what you're doing. And you're not called to do what you're doing. You're called to do what Christ wants to do through you. Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word, for the hope found in it, Uh, for this particular text. In a time when we feel powerless, to do anything, we can know with confidence that each one of us are called to do things. But the things that each one of us are called to do are the byproduct of abiding in Christ. So would you, would you grow us in our habits of abiding in order that we might do your work through your strength and your power in your time in order that we might bear your fruit. And we'll thank you for that adventure that awaits. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Let's worship together.